The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. For those of you who don't know me, I know there's so many new faces in here. My name is Sarah Blunt, and my husband Josh and I pastor New Song Church in Oklahoma City. I'm from uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. We've lived there, or I lived there, born there, raised there. And then in 2008, we moved to Dallas, Texas to be a part of a church called Gateway. And then around this time last year, we started feeling called back to our home state to plant a church. And that church is New Song Church. For nine months, we worked on building a launch team, and we had our first service September 13th, so we're just a little over two months old. And for me, it's like when you find a really good recipe that you really love, or a good show, a new series on Netflix, and you have to share it with someone, that is New Song Church for me. I love my church. I love our team. I really love our pastor. Um, (laughs) And I just want to invite you guys to be a part of it. If you've never been... We'd love to have you on a Sunday morning. We meet every Sunday at 1030, and we're on 150th between Penn and Western at Haskell Elementary, and you can find more information on our website. It's newsongpeople.com. We'd love, love, love to have you guys there with us. Well, before we dive into this message tonight, I have to let you in on a very ironic conversation that I had with my husband around this time last year. We were at our home in Texas. I can remember it like it was yesterday. We were in our game room. And we were surrounded by moving boxes because we were about to move here. And we were surrounded by toys because I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old and a one-year-old. So at any given moment, I'm always surrounded by toys. But we sat there and we talked about the church and the vision for the church and these things that God had been showing us. And my husband looked at me and he was like, Sarah, what do you want to do at New Song Church? How involved do you want to be? What ministries do you want to be over? And I said, you know, I'm not sure yet. I'm still praying about that. But I know for sure that I do not, do not, do not want to be over women's ministry. And he said, okay, that's totally fine. You don't have to do that. Just because your pastor's wife does not mean you have to be a women's ministry pastor. And um, we finished our conversation and got back to packing. And then we got to Oklahoma City. And something funny happened. I started to meet some ladies that we're going to be a part of our team and help us build this church. These ladies right over here, three in a row, that you guys are sitting together is awesome. They got my heart, and the Lord got a hold of my heart. And he just put this crazy, intense passion to pastor and lead women. And it's probably the one area I felt most uh, unequipped for, the area that intimidated me the most. But as I begin to... Uh, go into what he was calling me to do, he just kept giving me more passion for it. And we went out for our first small group, the three of these girls and I. We went to get dinner and to get coffee and dessert, and we prayed together, and we talked with each other, and we got in the Word together, and it was a really good night. Like, we just bonded, and I got home and got in bed, and I just said, yes, Lord, I'll do it. I want to pastor women. I know I said I would not, would not, would not, never say never, right? And so I said, yes, I'll do it. And as I lay there that night, really just trying to fall asleep, because I was so excited, my mind was going, I opened my iPhone and I started to read the word, and uh, I came to Romans 12. And when I read these verses, it even helped solidify further what I wanted to do with women's ministry. It gave me a vision and a heart for the women's ministry of our church. And I want to share these verses with you tonight. We're going to take our message from these, because 
These are the verses that breathe life into what we're doing right now. And I feel like even though if you're not a part of this church, they'll breathe life into you and into the personal ministries that the Lord has for you. So it's going to be up on the screen. This is the message version because that's what I read it in that night. It's Romans 12, 9 through 13. It says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Say, don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert. Say, be alert. Be alert, alert, servants of the master. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times, but pray all the harder. Help needy Christians and be inventive in hospitality. If you would, bow your head and let's pray as we dive into this. Lord, I thank you for this night. I thank you for the precious ladies that are gathered here. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that you just help it to come alive to us. Give us revelation. Help me to speak clearly, Lord. Use me, Lord, to minister to these ladies. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so our first point tonight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you three points. I could give you like 15 out of those four verses, but we're just going to do three because we don't have four hours. But... Uh, my message, if you're taking notes, is called Ever Be, and we're going to talk about three things that we as Christians, as ladies, are called to ever be, and ever be is just a fancy way of saying always be, so um, ever be real is my first point, ever be real, and I take that from the passage in that chapter that says, love from the center of who you are, don't fake it. I think there's a lot of fake love that goes around in the world. We tell our friends that we love them and we send them the little heart emoticon. I always use the heart with the three pink kind of stacked on top of each other and say love you and say praying for you. And we flash flash fake smiles at people. But this is talking about a real love. And in order to love with this real love, we have to love from the center of who we are. But the problem with that is, is that a lot of people don't know who they are. We've got personality tests that help us. Um, I remember taking one in junior high youth ministry, and it tells you, like, you're a a Labrador or a beaver or a bunny, and um, I think I was a Labrador. Uh, And some of those tests are good. They help you kind of get an idea of maybe your personality type or what kind of career path you might want to go down. Um, And then you've got stuff like on Facebook. Confession, I've totally done both of these, but the test that lets you know, like, which character on Friends you're most like? <laughs> Who's done the Friends test? Any Monicas? Any Monicas like me? I'm not the only one. Mo- yeah? Okay, good. So apparently I'm most like Monica. Uh, and the, the Disney princess i most like is Belle. So we've got some different things like that that help us try to figure out who we are. And then we've got this whole industry based on telling us who we are by the date that we were born. I've never been into this, never really understood it because I just think it's crazy that just because you're born around the same time means you're going to be alike. Um, but I looked up what I'm supposed to be like. And apparently, I'm supposed to be spontaneous, which I'm not. If you know me, I am the least spontaneous person ever. I'm total planner. Um, courageous, energetic, but also vain, proud, and impatient. So too bad I was born on April 4th. Um, but it doesn't really help tell us who we are. And yet we've got people that are trying to love from something that somebody that doesn't know you has told you who you are. And maybe it's not a personality test or a quiz or your birth date, but maybe it's your past. 
Maybe you've done something in your past and you've let that define you. Or maybe it's your friends, your family, your parents. They've told you this is just how you are. You're stubborn. And so that's how you love from a stubbornness because you believe that's who you are. But the only person that can really tell you who you are is the one who created you. It's just like if I made a really great batch of cookies and I gave you one of those cookies and I said, guess what ingredients are in this cookie? And even if you were the most uh, culinary genius type, Alton Brown, Bobby Flay person, I could give you that cookie, you could chew on it, take a minute, try to write down the ingredients, but you could never guess exactly what I put in those cookies because you didn't make them. I made them. You don't know that I put like a pinch of sand or something from the playground. (laughs) So you wouldn't know because you didn't make it. But the Lord made you, and he's the only one who can tell you who you are. So we've got to find out who he says we are so we can love from the center of who we are. So today on Google, or this week, I Googled, who am I in Christ? It's, it's easy to find. It's easy to search the scriptures, and they'll tell you who you are in Christ. This is a good list. This is a good start. This is just a few things I wrote down to that. This is who God says you are. I've got it up here on the slides. It says, I'm a child of God, redeemed. This is what the Lord says about you. Forgiven, saved, justified, delivered, led by the Spirit, free from bondage, protected, provided for, carefree, strong in the Lord, heir of God, joint heir with Jesus, blessed coming in and going out, healed above only and not beneath, more than a conqueror, overcomer, faithful, transformed in light. That's a good start. If you can get that and you can love from that, then you can give people this real love that people so desperately need in their lives. Now I want to show you what this love looks like. This isn't the fake emoticon love or the I heart you. This love sees, recognizes, understands, and appreciates. You know, I thought about making this point ever be gold diggers, but I did not want your husbands to think you were at a Kanye concert tonight. So I left it ever be real, okay? So ever be real, but we do have to be gold diggers. We've got to look at the people in our lives, our spouse, our children, our friends, the clerk at Target, you got to look at them, look past the dirt, see the gold that God put in them, and help dig it out of them. We're called to love people with a real love. My friend AJ back there totally inspired me last week. We were at a pumpkin patch with our kids. There was just the two of us and six kids. And so we're downtown. We're trying to make it to the pumpkin patch. We parked where we had to use the, like, thing where you push the button and it tells you can cross the street. So I'm just focused on making sure no one gets hit by a car and nobody gets lost. And, and so my, I'm just laser focused on what we're about to do. But AJ, she's seeing around her and she's seeing this homeless lady walking by and she just takes time to look at her and say, hi, how are you? And she smiles her sweet smile. And then we get to the pumpkin patch and there's this older man taking tickets and everybody's just kind of shuffling through the line and he's stamping hands and she just takes time to say, hi, how are you, notices him, talks to him for a little bit, and you can just see these people brighten, but it's because she's taking time to see, to recognize, appreciate, and understand people. We need more people like AJ in Oklahoma City that are really seeing people. And this isn't just for strangers. This is for people in your circle of influence. I think one of the things that I've noticed as I've met with people in the city, as I've met with women, this 
overlying theme is loneliness. That even though there's all these women in the city and we've got Facebook friends and we've got Instagram friends and we're going to church, people feel lonely. They don't have real friends loving them with a real love and they don't have somebody that they can be real with and expect real love from. There's just a lot of fake, fakeness in our relationship. Um, but it says, don't be fake. Love with a real love. So here's what I want you to do as we end this point. I want you to write down these two questions or just keep track of them in your head. We're going to come back to them later. Number one is, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And number two is, who can I show real love to? Who can I show real love to? We'll come back to those at the end. All right, my second point is, ever be a flame. And this comes from the part of the scripture that says, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Now we're going to camp here for most of the message because I know there's a lot of people here that are dealing with burnout. Maybe in some areas of your life, maybe in all areas of your life. But the word calls us to keep burning, to not burn on or to not burn out, but to burn on continuously. In fact, in Proverbs 31, we all know the, the, the chapter of scripture that's so famous about this incredible woman. And one of the things it says about her is her lamp goes not out, but it burns on continually through the night. It burns on through trouble, privation, and sorrow. I want to show you what burnout, what it means. This is a definition that I found and it just totally made makes sense to me. It says burnout is when the demands placed on you exceed the resources available to you. When the demands placed on you exceed the resources available to you. Has anybody ever been there before where you feel like you've got so much to do, but you don't have the resources to do it? When you get there, that's when burnout starts to happen. I know for me, the resource that I feel short on most of the time is time. I feel like these demands that are placed on me, really the demands that I've placed on myself, I don't have enough time for. I want to be a good mom. I want to be a good wife. I want to be a good pastor to this church. I want to be, uh, have a clean house, and I want to exercise every day, and I want to have good quiet times with the Lord, and I want to make home-cooked meals and be involved in my kids' school. And so I place all these demands on myself, but then I don't have enough time. I don't have that resource of time, and that causes me to feel burnout. Maybe it's not time for you. Maybe it's finances. Maybe you feel short on resources, money, to do the things that you want to do. Maybe it's uh, ideas. You're short on ideas. You're short on creativity. You're short on vision. Uh, maybe it's patience or love. Maybe there's some people in your life that need some extra love right now, and you feel like you don't have enough to give them. You feel short on the resource of love, and that causes you to burn out. You know, as ladies, we have a lot to juggle, a lot of people in our lives that are depending on us, a lot of people in our lives that need us to love them. And so it causes us to go through some of this stuff. We get stressed, we get tired, we get worn out. But tonight I want to show you how to keep yourselves aflame because that's what the Lord's called us to do. I talked about the, the lady in Proverbs, that her lamp goes not out. It burns on continually through the night. And then in Exodus 27, you can read about these lamps that were placed in the tabernacle, um, out in the courts of the tabernacle. And the same thing was true for these lamps. They were lit, and they were never to go out. So they had to keep burning through the night. And to do this, 
they required a special type of oil. It says, command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to keep the lamps burning continuously. So in order to keep these lamps going, they had to have the special oil, and it was pure pressed olive oil. And here's how they made it back in the times that these verses were written. They'd gather olives, they'd put them in these burlap-type sacks, they'd set them on top of each other, so stacks of sacks of olives. And uh, then they'd take this huge weight, and they'd set it on there, and they'd begin to lower the weight and put more and more pressure on the olives so that the olives would eventually begin to drip. And those first drips were the pure pressed olive oil, and that's what they put in these lamps to keep them burning. Now let's go, stay with me here, to Matthew 26. And in Matthew 26, this is the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is right before he was tried, arrested, tried, and crucified. Okay, and the Garden of Gethsemane means the place where olive oil is pressed. So here we find Jesus in the place where olive oil was pressed, and he is in prayer, and he says this to his disciples. He's about to go to the cross. He knows what's coming, and he says, my soul is crushed with grief. Jesus said this, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And then Luke, in the same account, he's a doctor, so he gives us this medical detail. And having been in agony, Jesus, he was more earnestly praying, and his sweat became, as it were, great drops of blood falling upon the ground. That night in the Garden of Gethsemane, we find Jesus, the place where olive oil is pressed, and Jesus is being pressed for us, the weight of every sin, every horrible thing I've ever done, every horrible thing you've ever done, every horrible thing anyone's ever done or will do was placed on him. This pure, perfect person, spirit, soul, body, had never done anything, and now all the weight of sin is crushing him, pressing down on him. He knows that he's got to taste death for every one of us. He knows what he's about to go through, and pressure of hell and sin is pressing him on every side. And he begins to drip, just like those olives. When those olives are pressed and begin to drip, Jesus was pressed and he began to drip drops of blood and sweat. And right there in the garden, he began to pour himself out for us. And then eventually at the cross, he'd pour himself completely out for us. I want you to see something. In Acts 10, 38, it tells us that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and oil are uh, constantly thrown together in Scripture. The oil and the Holy Spirit is a representation of that. Just like we anoint people with oil at the altars, Jesus was actually anointed with the Holy Spirit. And when he began to drip, he began to pour out this anointing, this anointing of the Holy Spirit for us. When we get saved, we get the gift of the Spirit. He told us he was going to leave, but he was sending a helper, and it would be better for us. And that helper is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our pure, pressed olive oil that keeps our lamps burning through the night. Ephesians 5.18 says this. I love it, too, because I didn't plan this. But it says, but ever be, but ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. When we get saved, when we get filled with the Spirit, it's not a one-time thing. Those priests and the lady in Proverbs 31, they had to keep 
putting that oil in those lamps. We've got to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? The next verses tell us. I love the word. It's simple. We try to complicate it, but it's simple. It says, speak out to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, offering praise with voices, instruments, and making melody with all your heart to the Lord. And at all times and for everything, giving thanks to the name of our Lord, to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God, the Father. If you're like me and you are not, you don't have a musical bone in your body, you might be a little nervous right now. But I love that it says making melody with all your heart and at all times and everything giving thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's not about how good we sing. It's not about our instruments. It's not even about music. It's just about having a grateful and thankful heart. You know, I think sometimes when we begin to feel burnout, we begin to feel tired, stressed, and worried. We try to fuel our lamps with other things. Netflix binge, like you've had a long day. You're going to go get in the bathtub and watch Gilmore Girls until it asks you, are you still here? And you say, yes, I'm still here. Leave me alone. You don't know what kind of day I've had. Let me keep watching TV. Or maybe it's shopping or ice cream or vacation. And you think that those things are going to fan your flame. They'll help you to get back your strength, your energy. They'll help you to not feel so tired. And they may help temporarily, but that's not the pure pressed olive oil that we're designed to run. It's the Holy Spirit. So when you begin to feel burnout and stress and tired, here's what you need to do. Get in the bath and worship the Lord. Praise him. Let your praise ever be on your lips and you will ever be filled with the Spirit. All right, the other thing that the priest would have to do to keep these lamps burning is trim the wicks. We've all had the candles from Yankee Candle. It tells you to trim the wick, right? It keeps the candle burning longer and cleaner. So they would have to do that. And when I read that, I immediately thought of John 15 too. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. If you're feeling burned out, it may just be that you've got too much going on and you need to let the Lord examine you and say, Lord, what's not bearing fruit? What can you trim away? What's not producing love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? If it's not producing the fruit of the Spirit, cut it out, Lord. Take it. I don't want it. I give it to you. So we need to fuel our lamps. We need to trim our wicks. And here's why. It's not just so we can stay burning and we can say, I'm not burned out. I'm not tired. I'm not stressed. It's because we're called to be alert servants of the master. Think about right now, if all the lamps go out in here, all the lights, we can't see. Our lamp's supposed to be burning so that we can see and we can be alert. We can see the people in our lives that need us to be Jesus to them. If you're in burnout, you're not going to be able to to be Jesus like he's called you to be. You're not going to be able to do the things he's called you to do. And he's called you all to do amazing things. You know that, right? Like God has a plan and a purpose for you. And he needs you to fill, fulfill the plans and purposes in this earth. We can't do that if we're burnt out. If we want to be alert servants of the master and we want to be used by him. I think it's a desire of all of us. For him to use us. I think that those two words should be part of our prayer every day. Use me. Use me today, Lord. But he can't use us if our lamps are burnt out. So you've got to ever be aflame. Our questions for this point, write these down. Am I filling my lamp with the right oil? Am I filling my lamp with the right oil? And two, what areas of my life are not producing fruit and need to be trimmed?
We'll come back to those at the end. And my last point is ever be a fighter. I love the Young's literal literal translation of this. I took it from don't quit in hard times, pray all the harder. That's what the message says. Young says, in the hope rejoicing, in the tribulation enduring, and in the prayer persevering. Ladies, we are not called to be quitters. We are not called to throw in the towel when things get tough. I married uh, my husband, Josh, two months after I turned 18. Uh, I actually married the man of my dreams, and I tell him that all the time. Because when I was in eighth grade, I literally had a dream that I was going to marry Josh Blunt. And at this time, it was not uncommon for me to be dreaming about boys. I was eighth grade, and I was boy crazy. My bedroom was covered with posters of NSYNC, and my binders at school had Leonardo DiCaprio all over them, and my locker had who knows what other 98 degrees. I'm embarrassed to say that, but yeah, I was boy crazy, and I had I love so-and-so written on my hand, a different person every week, and so, um, but this dream was different. When I woke up from this dream, it wasn't like, it was just kind of that was different than when I dreamed I was going to marry Justin Timberlake. I think this really is going to happen. <laughs> so I have this dream. At this point, I don't even know Josh, or he doesn't know me. I know him. I have a huge crush on him. He's five years older than me. He's one of the pastor's kids at our church. And um, so I knew of him, uh, but he didn't know me. But I had this dream, knew it was going to happen, and it did. In 2003, I married Josh. We had a great wedding. We had this perfect honeymoon in Hawaii. We were there for 14 days. It was amazing. We had a fixer-upper, a little house that we bought. We had a little Boston Terrier doggie named Nora. Everything was good. We had jobs that paid the bills. They just paid the bills, but we were good. We were living on love. We were excited about life. But really quickly, things started to fizzle, and... I just found myself in this place where I didn't care about my marriage and I didn't care about Josh and I couldn't really quite figure out what was going on. We were both in ministry. He was a youth pastor. I was working in an accounting department uh, at a church and we served at church. Josh was in a band. He was a youth pastor. Uh, I uh, served in church as well. We tithed. We gave. We uh, were there every Sunday and every Wednesday. We were very involved in church but we had no real relationship with the Lord. It was all about what Christians are supposed to do. We were doing all the things we were supposed to do, but we didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And so because of that, our worlds were going in two separate selfish directions. I had somebody that I liked at work had gotten tangled up in this an emotional affair with, and then I found out kind of the straw that broke the camel's back is that my husband had a pornography addiction that he had had for a long time, since before we were even married. So this is two years into our marriage, and I'm thinking, I've been married to someone living a lie for two years, and I was crushed, but at the same time, I just kind of thought, you know, I'm not really digging this whole marriage thing anyways. I'm 20. We don't have any kids. Let's just call it quits. So I packed my bags, and I went to my mom's, and I thought, I'll figure out what I'm going to do. And I spent about three or four days there just kind of doing the 20-year-old girl broke up with her boyfriend thing, even though it was my husband. And I listened to sad music, and I just wallowed around and was depressed. And, um, but people were praying for me. And I just want to encourage you, if you know people that are going through stuff, pray for them because it matters. 
My mother-in-law was praying for me. My father-in-law was praying for me. My sister-in-law, Brooke, was praying for me. My parents were praying for us. And after about three days of wallowing and self-pity and wondering what I was going to do with my life, I woke up and something was different. I felt the Lord say, fight. Fight for this marriage. What are you doing? Fight for this. And I knew I had read enough Bible stories and been in church long enough. I knew that if I would fight, that he would fight with me. And so I just said, okay, I'll do it. I'll fight for this. This is worth fighting for, right? Yeah, okay, I'll fight for this. So I called Josh and I tell him I'm coming home. And I knew it was going to be awkward, and it was awkward. For a couple weeks, it was awkward. This week... We didn't really like each other anymore. So now to come back into this marriage and know that this has been going on and this has been going on, there was no reason for us to get back together, but we did, and we chose to fight for our marriage. And the Lord showed up. The next part of that scripture says, don't quit in hard times, but pray all the harder. We prayed like never before that season of our lives. I had an hour commute uh, in the car by myself for a year, and every day when I was in the car for that hour, I would pray. I would pray for Josh. I would pray for our marriage. I would pray in the Spirit when I didn't know what to pray. And even though we couldn't afford to see a counselor, the Holy Spirit was counseling us, and he was showing us what to do and how to make this work. And now 12 years later, we have an incredible marriage, and now we're helping people who where we were 10 years ago. We have a beautiful family. We, ha- we get to do ministry together. And it's because the Lord said fight and I said yes, okay, I'll fight. There's some people here today. You're thinking of stuff right now in your head and you've thought that you need to fight but you've also had the thought it's not worth it. There's nothing there worth fighting for. I know that's how I felt about the marriage when the Lord said fight. I kind of thought fight for what? Fight for two people living together that don't like each other anymore? There's something like that that's going on with you right now. And I want to tell you to fight for it. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you're not at that point or you've kind of made up your mind. We'll never get a divorce, but I don't have joy in my marriage. And it's never going to be that way. We've seen counselors or we've read marriage books and the joy's not there. So I'm just giving in. This is the way it's going to be. That's not true. I'm here to tell you to fight for that joy in your marriage. Fight for peace in your families. Fight for unity in your home. Fight for it. It is worth it. And the Lord will fight for you. Fight on your knees in prayer. Maybe it's a, uh, this today when I was going over this, I just felt the Lord say, there's somebody here with some mind battles. You've read books, you've been prayed for, and you're still dealing with those mind battles. Don't give up. Don't just, don't just let the devil tell you, this is just how I've got to be. Fight for it. Fight for what he fought for you to have. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, he fought for you. Aren't you glad that he didn't look at you and say, it's not worth fighting for. It's not, they're not worth it. He didn't say that. He said, they're worth it and I'm going to fight for them. He went to the grave. He conquered death and he beat death. He fought and he won. And that same spirit that raised him from the dead is alive in you, ladies. He's put that fight in you. So if it matters to him, it matters to you. So fight for it and he will fight with you. What we're going to do now, I've got one more question. 
And it's, is it worth fighting for? Is it worth fighting for? What we're gonna do is take a few minutes here and like that verse said, we're gonna, it says to pray all the harder. We're gonna take a few seconds to pray here and I want you to see something about prayer. Prayer is not just talking to God. It's talking and it's listening. Think about if you went into a convenience store and you're lost and you say, hey, can you tell me how to get to Kansas City? And then you turn out and walk out the door and you don't stay and listen for directions, you're not gonna get to Kansas City. I think a lot of times that's how we approach prayer. We get, we get before God and we say, Lord, help us, help us. We love you, we need you. And then we walk out and we leave and we don't wait to hear the direction. God still speaks and he wants to speak to you tonight. The word says that his sheep hear his voice. You guys are his sheep and you can hear his voice. So we're gonna do an exercise here. I've got these five questions. We're gonna ask these questions. We're gonna get quiet and we're gonna wait and listen for his voice. And here's what his voice sounds like. Maybe you're thinking, God doesn't speak to me. I've never heard the voice of God. You probably have and you just don't realize it. His voice sounds like your voice. His voice is a still, small, sweet voice that leads with peace. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna ask these questions. We're gonna get quiet. We're gonna listen. 15, 20 seconds after each question. I know the Lord has things that he wants to speak into your lives tonight, ladies. Will you let him do that? Will you listen for his voice tonight? All right, our first question. You guys can bow your heads and close your eyes and just ask these in your heart. Just ask these questions in your heart. The first one is, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am, Lord? I want to love from the center of who I am, and I need to know who I am. Who do you say I am? Now I want you to ask him, who do I know that needs me to love them with this real love? Lord, speak to these ladies, quicken in their spirits names of people that need real love from them. Love that sees, recognizes, appreciates, and understands. infilling of the Holy Spirit. What areas of my life are not producing fruit and need to be trimmed? Lord, what's not producing fruit? What can I cut out? What demands can I take off myself, Lord? Is it worth fighting for?
minute, why don't you guys look up here at me? We're gonna close this night with one more worship song. You can seal some of these things in your heart. You can write down these things in your notebook if you want to. And we're also gonna invite the altar ministry team up. And if you have something that you wanna pray for, anything, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, if you're here today and you need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, if you're here today and the Lord's telling you to fight for something and you wanna pray with somebody about that, our altar ministry team is gonna be standing over here and over here. Come and receive prayer. Come and get answers that you're looking for. Prayer is leaving something at the feet of Jesus, but it's also bringing something home. He wants to, he wants to give you guys something. He wants to impart something in you today. So if you need prayer, this time is for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every person with every need to the altars tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.